from Anchor FM, this is Etch the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide to find the common ground we know we all share. I'm D.S. Brown, your host, and together we will etch the edges. George Floyd, William Lewis Moore, Invoked. This weekend, American cities burned. Minneapolis has burned. And in particular for me, Atlanta burned. And as ever, with every riot, we are left wondering why. Dr. King said a riot is the language of the unheard. I have to believe. No, I know. He is right. Riot is the thing we do as a collective, as a people, when we're faced with the intractable and we we feel the pressure and pain and agony of our socioeconomic conditions and the the weight that places upon us. And we find ourselves in a place of no options. So we lash out. We lash out in a very common and human way but still unacceptable. We always love to come out on the other side of a riot thinking that we've shown someone something or we've held someone accountable or that what we've done is what's necessary in order to make change. But history seems to tell us that that's just not true. So today on Edgy Edges, we want to take a look at George Floyd's situation, what his situation as he is a human being, an individual of limitless promise snuffed out, what that has done to the psyche of this this nation and, and what the actions coming out of it, have done to all of us as a people. So where do we start? Well, I think a good place to start is the police. Who are the police? Now, on Edge what we will always strive to do is utilize critical thinking and the clarification and cause of the situations we find ourselves in. And one thing I think it's worth noting is who are the police and where do they come from? There are two narratives behind the origins of police, and I would all ask for you to take the time to look it up. There is the notion of the police evolving in this nation from the same establishment, the common law establishment that came from England and our legal tradition from there. But also, and more, more, more deeply embedded and formidable is the root of policing in America as slave recovery squads in the South. Groups of men given authority to search homes and, and track, detain, and take whatever action is necessary to return human property back to human masters. And when you think of the police in that regard, it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. But both narratives are true, and both narratives are a part of human history. But one does not take precedent over the other, and we cannot discount either. By now, most of you who did not know who lyricist and rap powerhouse Killer Mike, named Michael Render, was, I'm sure by now you do. You've seen him in videos during the Atlanta mayor mayor's press conference, Keisha Lance Bottom. Now, I have to say, in particular for me, Michael Render gave an impassioned, powerful speech, and he spoke to the root of the matter in no uncertain terms, in an unequivocal manner. And I applaud Keisha Lance Bottoms, our city's mayor, for her, 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 her honesty, right? Her passion, 
her desire to see us be better. And I applaud Tia for stepping up and speaking out. Now, as with anything, and this is again why it's a perfect example of us to edge the edges, the fact that they spoke, if you just go out online and see how residents of Atlanta feel, you'll find that we've got extremes. We've got the spectrum. We've got a one side versus another situation, and it, it, it bears conversation. We should take a look at it, discuss it. Like Michael Render, I have friends and family that serve in uniform. I love and respect them for the job they do. I think it's very, very important, again, to fully understand the spectrum of people and our institutions and how they engage us. Police do a very dangerous job every day of their lives. The possibility of injury or death is never far from their daily activity. Yet and still, we know we have our challenges and they are great. You see, I can recall the day a policeman leveled his service weapon at my head. Yeah. It's still amazing to recall how calm I was, how I looked at the barrel, and I wonder, what next? I mean, was was this it? I was going to be killed by a cop? Was I? But soon, he was gone, called away. The real suspect was over on Baxter Street. Now, the suspect was running and the officers were in hot pursuit. He was on foot. Unlike myself, he wasn't walking across a dorm parking lot with a Dell Tower computer under one arm and a Banana Republic duffel on the other. He wasn't wearing khakis or Cole Haan boots. Calvin Klein t-shirt and a vest and a polo hat. Unlike the so-called assailant, I didn't have a case of beer under my arm. But I I guess, in some respects, a computer could look like a case of beer, you know. I'm also not light-complexioned. Interesting to hear that. To know that that's what the suspect really looked like. You see, I'm, I'm rather dark in the skin and whatnot, but you know the old thing. We all look alike, a black man's burden. I think back on it, right? I sigh now, just like I did then. And um, I keep it moving. I keep it moving. I'm blessed, and I wish to pass my blessings on others to learn from my experiences and hopefully uplift others through my action. I tell that story just, just to share it. I've told it before, and I'll tell it again. I've had my experiences, as many of us have. With that aside, I have also had wonderful interactions with police officers. I've stood side by side with them as we have sought to pour out positivity into students. I've been pulled over with no animosity and left with a warning. I've been to a friend's home to investigate an alarm and run into an officer on the side of the house. In complete surprise, me sweaty and scraggly in workout clothes and him in full uniform, meeting me with a, sm- with a smile and an assumption that I belong there. Not that I was up to no good, that in this type of neighborhood with well-heeled and well-to-do people, I was meant to be here. That's something to consider. And by the way, no, the officer wasn't black. Yes, this too has happened to me. So compare and contrast. In one instance, I've had a gun pointed at my head by an officer. And in the other, I had an officer greet me with a warm feeling as we investigated my friend's home to make sure that the alarm wasn't set off by someone trying to break in. 
So why must we discuss police on black violence and definitely contrast it with black on black crime? Listen, let me tell you something. There's no such thing as black on black crime, okay? And to be sure, that thing you do call black on black crime, it does get reported. And yes, we protest it. We gather, we wail, we protest. You know, what, y'all don't watch the news? I mean, really? You'll see a small gathering. No, it doesn't constitute hundreds of people walking up and down the street. But when someone is murdered by no matter who, if that young woman or young man or, or that child was loved, and, and invariably they were, someone gets interviewed and they're in pain. And we see that. And there's a group of people around lamenting it. I see it. I know you see it, too. But you see, still, we have to not only discount that black on black crime thing, we have to eliminate that nonsense altogether. Because, you see, the prevalence of violent crime is a function of poverty and socioeconomic conditions. And it is invariably within your own ethnicity, the community where you congregate, where most of the people perhaps look like you, you know. Just like white on white crime. So if you be black, let's dismiss this argument outright when it arises. Educate our friends at once and then demand they stand up and hold the line. For let's not make it up to us to explain to them how wrong and ignorant it is to bring that concept up. We must press other white people into an honest and critical thinking mind frame where they can speak on our behalf and shut that nonsense down because it's not germane to the argument. It doesn't carry weight. It has no real meaning. Not in this instance. The murder of one black man by another due to gang violence or a white man by another white man due to meth-related gang violence or any other ethnicity has no comparison to a man or a woman imbued with police powers in the authority to question, hold, and in some situations, sanction American citizens. There's no comparison. When that power is abused, there is just cause to be upset, to, pro- to protest vehemently, righteously, vigorously. You see, when we're talking about cop on black crime, Most especially white cop on black crime. We're talking about the ingrained pain of generations and a perspective through the filter of racism that imposes something deep and at its foundation, painfully downright evil. That you see a person who looks like me as less than. And that in that instance, in our engagement, somehow, however you were brought up, however you were raised, you feel you have the authority to act as judge, jury, and executioner. And then then in that moment, you, you will do something that most assuredly you will regret. This is what we have to internalize and share with our brothers and sisters who can help us in the argument, help us win the engagement, walk with us through the fight, help bring our officers, men and women, to clarity so that when they're they're on the beat, when they are executing their police powers, they don't fall prey to that vile tradition of seeing us as less than, and that in that instance, they do not act accordingly to that vile evil tradition but instead they view us through the filter of what we are human beings their brothers their sisters fellow Americans that is the challenge people but through that challenge we still have to remember there is no need to riot truth Look, when we riot, who does it serve? 
you often see those who say it makes them pay attention, right? Makes who pay attention? And it it makes them because we always you always hear the the folks who are in support of the riot, whether they were there or not, saying it's going to make folks stand up and and, and see what's going on. It's going to make them do something. It's going to make them do something. What? Why riot? What's the plan? Well, again, if a, a riot is the actions of the unheard, right? The language of the unheard. As Dr. King said, then what are we saying? I can I can pretty much be sure in many instances what's what's being said, but then we still have to go back to the critical questions of why and what will we do? What next? How will this help our cause? Critical questions have to be asked for sure. And see, this is why we must etch the edges on topics such as this. We must peel away the layers of pain and generational suffering. Suffering that breaks the backs of the strongest of us, brings us to our knees in tears. Cries of suffering that come in shrieks and wails and, and, and yes, even violence. Listen, I thank President Donald Trump for what I'm about to say next. I thank him for his lack of perspective and an accidental stumbling into the truth. And I find that truth in statements like, there are very fine people on both sides. See, I would struggle to say there were very fine people marching in Charlottesville, Virginia, to be sure, declaring blood and soil and Jews and Jews will not replace us. Now, those folks who did that may be sorry later and always there exists the possibility to become better that after the fact they they can become good people. But in that instance, you are not good people. There are no options, and most especially that applies if you decide you have to commit murder for your cause. You know, like running over someone with a car. Those aren't very fine people. But I can take his statement and feel comfortable in applying it here. And it goes back to Dr. King's statement of the language of the unheard. So let me explain. See, in this instance, especially here in my city of Atlanta, after Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms came out and, and spoken in powerful and passionate tones, there were people like me who heard her and we, we were just completely moved. And when Killer Mike spoke, whoa, the power and the presence and the passion of his words spoke to my spirit, spoke deeply to my spirit. And I knew he was right. But see, in my city, on this subject, in this instance, you have people on one side hating and reviling the rioters. That's one extreme. Then you have those who are angry and admonishing the rioters. That would be Killer Mike, T.I., and, and the mayor. Then you have those who simply sigh and just sick and tired and have nothing to say regarding the rioters. That's perhaps a, a majority of the population because just too tired and have nothing to say. And within that mix, you probably have those that blindly acted with no point, no purpose. Then you have those who empathize with the rioters and not only understand, but see it as a wake-up call, fully justified. And then you have those who wish they had been there fully endorse the act the riot you see it goes from one extreme one edge to the other people and many of us live within the spectrum we may bounce back and forth between the extremes and so you can get my perspective I will freely tell you that in one instance I understand the language of the unheard I get it I get it if you really drop your preconceived notions and and let go of your perspective and think critically and do the hallmark of the critical thinker, 
then you can put your mind empathetically in the shoes of Michael Render, a.k.a. Killer Mike, and hear him when he said he woke up the other morning and he wanted to watch the world burn. That's what he said. It's not that the man doesn't get it. He just knows it's not the way. You see, here in Atlanta, it could not be more clear to me. There were good people there in the afternoon doing good work in the manner and tradition of our city. The legacy of Dr. King, Andrew Young, Hosea Williams, they were there. They were passionate. They had a purpose. They wanted to hold the powerful to account. And they were there to express that. To put that charge down, to demand change, to evoke action in a positive, positive way. But then, as day turned to night, so too did peace turn to violence. Did all those from the day of peace go home, only to be replaced by thugs in the night? No. You see, good people did remain. And yes, the thug showed up too. Now, I say thug by definition, not to disguise the N-word as some all want to do. You see, we do here on Edge just what we do, right? And you'll find over and over again that I lean into this. You know, we're going to do our critical thinking thing. We're going to grab a dictionary and find thug. A thug is a violent person, especially criminal. Bottom line. That's it. Now, the folks who decided it would be a good expression of righteous frustration to break windows from Centennial Olympic Park to Buckhead, you know, to get loose with it and go into a space and grab liquor bottles and run up and down the street in your heyday or the hay night, you know, yelling this and yelling that and and I, I, I... reveling in the chaos, a celebration of um, I'm not sure what, because I'm quite sure that's, 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 that's not about the challenge, that's not about the sacrifice, that's not about the call, that's, that's, it's not about George Floyd. But still, you, 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 you have to do it, right? You have to grab the liquor. You have to destroy the property. You need to let that settle. You need to pause and not be so impassioned and just leap to what to say next. I just want to let that settle because you see, the thugs were there. They were there. And they ranged far and wide, set fires, destroyed a police car. Destruction in this city from Centennial Olympic Park. Clear up the buckhead. That's violent. And yes, it's criminal. So you see, if you walk like a thug, if you quack like a thug, yeah, you're a thug. Now, just like Tupac started a movement to reclaim thug as a word, And many people of color, black people, seek to now reclaim the word nigga. We are free to do that. Again, this is America. We are Americans, despite how often we want to claim we're not. You know, we're Americans. I'm an American. With all the varying results and responses we can expect when we go through the activity of trying to reclaim negativity and turning it into positivity. It works. It doesn't work. It fits. It doesn't fit. The edges, people. The spectrum. The extremes. I say thugs showed up and decided to wreak havoc in our city. I've heard that some of them may have been agents, provocateurs, that they have may have been such things as Manchurian candidates in the crowd slipping in to incite the, the coming race war, which is a constantly, insidiously stupid thing. Because again, as I 
often said to people, there is no such thing as many human races. There have been many types of humans over this world's history, but by and large, this type of human, the type of human we are, we predominate and we we won that evolutionary challenge. Race is not defined by color of skin. That's a social construct and it's stupid. But racism is real. We have to educate ourselves well enough to understand the difference. So you see, thugs showed up to wreak havoc on this city. And they did it in fine fashion, just as they've done in other cities across the country. I understand the riot through the prism of Dr. King's word. Oh, and I understand through the prism of criminal behavior and those who embrace violence, not out of protest, but out of the sheer joy of destruction and chaos and love the thought of coming up on loot. These are the folks who tomorrow and the day after will not give a damn about you or your efforts to find justice in this world for people of color. They are predators, either by circumstance or choice. And uh, on this riot thing, as two of my favorite all-time artists once said, it's like that. That's the way it is. But hear me, in the final summation, the final summation, people, if we do not do as Killer Mike admonished, if we do not do as Mayor Bottoms admonished, we will be here again. Make no mistake, we'll have the same result, if not worse. Take a beat, people. Look back over history. We have rioted. And we have rioted with the requisite results. Is this the tried and true way to get to where we need to be? Ask that of yourselves. I don't even want you to take the time to go ask it of anybody else. Just ask it of yourself and act accordingly. No, no, don't waste time going out on Facebook and commenting to that boomer who has this this powerfully altered perspective and says, hey, look, it's right. Don't bother him. Don't bother her. Go and look at the other boomer who is a person of color and is screaming in pain and crying. 69-year-old man talking about why y'all burnt down my business. I'm one of y'all. I worked hard. I just tried to get something. And yeah, I do have insurance. But it's not going to cover all my trucks or my truck. It's not going to cover everything that I put the blood, the sweat and tears to build this business by a man of color. I damn near died in that thing to try to make it as an American in this country of ours. And you saw fit to come and burn it to the ground. For what? For what? What are you showing? What, who, who are you going to motivate to do something? By burning my stuff. By burning my life's work. By taking my ability to feed my family and take care of my daughter off this thing. What are you doing when you do that? When you destroy me all in all but body. And then you have the audacity the sheer audacity to take my life's work and somehow put that on the table and compare it in some way to the murder of a brother by a police officer, that has nothing to do with me. And I was standing with you in protest. Then you decided to take me and mine out. Over the next few weeks and months, I'm going to try to figure it out. I'm, I'm going to try. But I spent my life building that. And in the span of a few hours, in the darkness of night, you and yours decided it made sense to destroy it. And destroy my ability to take care of myself and my family. 
Is that what we do for the people? I want you as an individual to think about that and decide what you should do next. Where do you stand and what actions do you think you can take? It's a critical thinkers exercise and it need not involve anybody else on Facebook. No, we don't need to know how brilliant you are. No, we don't need you to fall deep in the argument and go back and forth in the virtual world. We just need you to do what's critically important and act appropriately. You see, on Facebook, I I get fairly disgusted. I've pulled back from the book over a number of years. I've gone into the lab to focus on trying to be my best self. But as we've moved into 2020, I'll be honest, I felt the need to come back out and just say a few things and post a few things. And I'll continue to do this. But I can tell you now, you will not find me engaging in word battle with a lot of you. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to share my perspective and you can take it. Or you can leave it. But I'm not going to fall into that, 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 that mental maelstrom and the addiction of the Facebook battle and the online Instagram back and forth argument. You see, I see the full spectrum. But more than anything, I get discouraged and disgusted. More than anything by what I see on Facebook, when I see that, that I ain't voting crowd. And that goes back to what I was saying about what are you going to do? Personally, I love the word woke. I feel I'm woke. And to be honest, I feel it's a constant state of becoming. I, I consider woke. Don't know who came up with the word. We we are creative people and we continuously come up with such such powerful and meaningful ways to express ourselves. But being woke is essentially important to me because it evokes a sense of continuous education and a desire to grow from one state of being to the next. Taking in all the variables and understanding from all sides What's really happening in a given situation? But what I'm really discouraged by are the people that I see online who are clearly too woke to vote. (laughs) What? Listen, first and foremost, with regard to the accumulation of power and position, I have never heard a more stupid thing in my life. You are literally sleep woke. An oxymoron. Still, I thank God I have grown beyond the need, the desire, the propensity to comment on such stupid posts where I see folks are too woke to vote. And I'm sorry, y'all, but but they are stupid. Your friends, you know who they are. You see them. They're right there out there on Facebook. Right here. And, you know, it's from one end of the country to the other, but I'm just focusing right here on, on Atlanta where I see folks who... You know, I've I've come across unknown over the years and and they're right there. Well, voting don't do nothing. You know, we put Obama in there for eight years. He ain't do nothing for black people. He ain't do nothing for me. Okay, again, not going to get into the mental maelstrom of conflict of back and forth on Facebook debating yes and no with a, a person who clearly does not understand the the office of the presidency and what it can and can't do and clearly misses the fact that all politics are local. That is where they start. And they completely miss the fact that when folks try to disenfranchise you, they do it for a reason. They want to keep you out of the ballot box. So what, you're just going to sit there with, well, don't do nothing because, you know, don't do nothing. Ain't, nothing, ain't done nothing for me. So why, why waste my time voting? Well, if it's a waste of your time, people, why are they? St- they've been trying for generations to keep your black ass out of that voting booth. I need you to take a pause. I need you to take a beat. I need you to hear the passion in my voice around this topic and consider this critically. Let's let's take a tack and build on this and go in a different direction. You see, my friends and I have had this discussion over and over again. I want to take a step back. What I've often asked my friends to do because we all we, we are Fila people. The, the phrase means forever. I love Atlanta. 
especially those of us who were born and raised here, original AT aliens. I ask him, I, I often say, look at the Atlanta skyline. Google it. Take a look at it. Just look at the Atlanta skyline. Then I ask him, is Atlanta truly the people of color city? Because, you know, we, we love to claim Atlanta. We have a deep and rich tradition here in this city. And, and yes, it, it is seen by many as a haven for people of color to come and, excuse me, to come and, and make their mark, plant their stake, and build something. And yeah, you can do that. But Atlanta looks like pretty much all the other American cities in, in one regard as well. Look at that skyline and tell me what you see. See, Tyler Perry is an icon, and yes, property and buildings are his to own here. He's making dreams come true. Yes, Killer Mike and T.I. are blazing a path for the rest of us to follow with ownership on the west side. This is true. Yet, in the same breath, on the night when the mayor calls us to account, what I see posted are pissed off people who are too impassioned to hear her words, to understand her truth. You see, the truth is when you look at Atlanta from north to south, east to west, you see a skyline of, of growing majesty comprised in Grand construction, grand construction, iconic towers, none of which is owned by people of color. No one that is black owns a single building in that skyline. Now, at this day and time, I I would challenge someone to tell me that I'm wrong. I hope so. I had this conversation with a friend of mine, a Uh, a good friend that I went to the University of Georgia with, and we were in his office downtown, and he was telling me that his office is in a building that's owned by a black man, and it was down by Georgia State. That's that's one. It was a tower, but it's just one. Now, I wasn't blessed to um, know my friend's friend, who was the owner of a skyscraper and afforded him an office for his foundation in that building. Um... I do remember that the, the the Citizens and Trust Bank had a building downtown at one point and sold that. To be a city owned by people who have built wealth accumulated and are striving for continued growth to say in many respects it really is all yours, we're lacking in one critical factor. We don't own it. But but yet and still, it, it it is our city, the ATL, but only by degrees, people. Killer Mike said he doesn't have the answers, but I'm going to tell you all right now, that brother is wrong. He's wrong. I've seen his show. I've listened to his words. I listened to his words in that press conference, and he's got the answers there right there. He's got the answers. As do I, as do many of you. From the ballot box, people, to policy, to the aggregation of capital. So we can facilitate the formation of businesses and consortiums. To ownership of those buildings. Few of them. The creation of many more. That's the answer. It's the unmet final dream of Dr. King. You see, the aggregation of wealth and the accumulation of capital affords us the ability to create and build things beyond the stuff at the ground floor that we facilitate and sell through other mediums and other people and other ethnicities. It allows us the ability to do that for ourselves. And quiet is kept. That accumulation, that aggregation in, 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 in number, despite the challenges of our ethnicity and the, the generational rot at the core of our country that continues to close us off to opportunities, despite all that, we'll make it. And make no mistake, we, we won't be alone. A lot of you still want to blast President Obama for just being who he is and being successful And for those of us who applaud him and recognize him for what he will be seeing in history, 
as one of this nation's greatest presidents. We know we didn't put him there by ourselves. We've never stood alone. Our brothers and sisters of differing ethnicities have stood with us time and time again. Understand what I invoke when I start this podcast. They have been there with us, and they still are. In order to get there, I believe in the work of achieving critical success, which is the planned achievement of something urgent and essential, utilizing skillful planning and judgment for the express purpose of attaining prosperity. That is what I always strive to do, and that is what I admonish each and every one of you to do. I utilize 3FE in this exercise. Let's find focus, establish the fundamentals, execute the plan. And I believe and live by three pop, the three principles of prosperity. Within the three principles of prosperity, if you live in America, it behooves you to try all three principles. That is capital investments. As an ethnicity, we spend an inordinate amount of time avoiding the capital markets where true wealth in this country is created. We must invest. Also, we are starting to grow a number of people who think that real estate is the answer. We've always known that to some large degree. That's why we've had whole towns that have been ours and they have been destroyed. But. That does not mean we don't try and try and try again until we eventually get there. We can get to the mountaintop. Second principle of of prosperity, real estate. Third principle, entrepreneurship. If you have a wild itch, go out and try. If you have the means and you have put together the wealth, go out and try. And for those of us who see that young woman or that young man trying, help them. Help them strive to succeed. And in turn, reach back and help the other. And don't ever destroy it. Don't ever see fit to find justification. Tear it down. And on the walk to that, as our brothers and sisters of Eastern descent clearly realize, people, it's the long game. You see, we must come to balance the irrepressible urgency of now and the need to act with the wisdom and power of patience. We must utilize strategies that may not yet yield results today, but in the long term will provide not only gratification, but domination. Domination of an American ideal that speaks to reciprocity as something complete and equality as fully understood, realized, and embraced by all. Uh, But I must admit, again, the power of the new tools, our ability to connect and communicate, it does give hope. Yes, it sets us afire. It heightens the chaos. But again, it also shines the light of justice and righteousness on the corners of darkness and down the corridors of power, the tool, the Internet, Web 2.0. These things that we we communicate with, these smartphones in our hands, the ability to congregate virtually, the ability to communicate in an instant on a given subject, it gives us power. We, we, We must respect that power and use it accordingly. For it gives voice to the voiceless and allows us to see in all totality the immensity of the injustices we face. You see, in Detroit... As the protests wound up and chaos took hold, someone in an SUV fired gunshots into a crowd. A young man of 19 was killed, shattering someone's world. I know about it because of our tools, our ability to communicate. I want to pause on that again. Pause. You see, because as we progress from the edges on this podcast, there's one refrain to which I will always remain consistent. And and I just want to impress that upon us. This 19-year-old person, this young man, he was a human being. Every life is a billion possibilities, precious and irreplaceable. And folks, when it's gone, it's gone for all time, all existence. Once a life is cut short, that energy, that spark, those billion possibilities, 
the ineffable energy of spirit, the life that we still cannot adequately describe outside the confines of faith, is gone forever. Please take that which I say and lay its weight on your soul and never remove it. Always consider it when you see or hear of a life taken. This 19-year-old died, his future forsaken, as our nation descends into chaos yet again, because the generational scourge of our nation still cannot be excised, because we as yet have not done the requisite hard work of coming together and living by that which so many of our brothers and sisters still cannot understand. That yes, without question, all lives matter. Yeah. And if you would truly believe it, then you should have no issue in decrying, preaching, embracing, and yelling at the top of your lungs from skyscraper to mountaintop that black lives matter. We will say it. And when we see you say it of other ethnicities with such strength and vigor that the truth is painfully clear. And what's not being said is heard still. Nonetheless, when that happens, we'll be on our way. We'll be getting there. And we will understand that black lives matter. Two. Think critically about what purpose you serve, people. Think critically about what it is you're trying to achieve. If you're writing, rioting, then to what end? What's the plan? Again, I admonish you all, don't take your power for granted. Don't be so woke that you're stupid. Voting matters. And as I've said, all politics, first and foremost, are local. People. There has been and will always be a reason someone is trying to keep you out of the voting booth. Despite ethnic differences, that thing we all call race, throw that aside. Someone will always have an agenda and try and hold sway over that booth for whatever their agenda is. That's just how powerful the ballot is. See, they're trying to keep you out of there And it's not just because they don't like you. That may be where it starts. But you see, policy, who is in power, who makes the decisions, these things matter and they affect your every day. It's not even about whether or not you believe it. It's happening to you. Whether you know it or not, it's always happening to you. Your vote is your chance to change things, to put action to word, and change what affects you. If you're truly woke, then you will vote. That's an undisputed fact. And your opinion, your passion, no matter how you feel about the system, cannot and will not change that fact. If you are woke, you will vote. Otherwise, you aren't. So stop talking about it and be about it, as a man once said. George Floyd, invoked. Be good to yourselves, people. And be good to each other. We'll see you next time.